Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Coming up, Lab and I revisit another solid week for Jordan Speed and break down the field at the Genesis Invitational. Welcome to the Golf Central Podcast presented by Callaway Golf. Callaway staffer Maverick McNeely made a strong run on Sunday at Pebble Beach to finish second, his best career finish on the PGA Tour. He did it with an epic speed driver and a Chrome Soft X golf ball. Maverick plays the unique 12-degree head because he likes the launch and flight characteristics he sees with his driver. He finished fourth in strokes gain off the tee last week. Epic speed continues to be a popular choice on tour, and there were 24 Epic models in play at Pebble Beach. Maverick has also continued to use a Chrome Soft X golf ball, and he has said that he likes the complete performance he gets with the golf ball, from the speed off the tee to the greenside control. There's only one place I'm going to start with you, Ryan Ladner, who do two weeks in a row, smile spread across your face, can't unpaste it. It just has to be just sitting on the couch Sunday afternoon, just gleefully watching your boy Jordan Spieth. Uh, you're not going to like the way I take this conversation, but give me your thoughts. Back-to-back weeks for Jordan back in the hunt. I'm smiling, not just, not just because of Jordan, Rex. I've probably spilled more ink on Maverick McNeely than, than maybe any other player. You, you have the honor of probably writing the most words on Tiger over the past 25 years. I think I've, I've definitely written the most uh, words on Maverick McNeely dating back to his college date at Stanford. So that was great to see him with a runner up finish, but yes, uh, Jordan Spieth, I wasn't smiling come late Sunday uh, because that wasn't necessarily the, the result that, that he wanted. I don't really care what I want, uh, but for Jordan to, to blow back to back 54 hole leads, I think was viewed by some, uh, as a little bit disappointing, but when you look at, at where he was January 29th after missing the cut at the Farmers Insurance Open, I mean, he's just made massive strides in improvement over the past couple of weeks. I do agree with you, and it's hard, and, and I do agree as well. I don't have a smile spread across my face when I see him get into contention because you're right. I have not spilled nearly as much ink, to use your phrase, on Jordan Spieth as you have. However, I do want to point back, point out that just a few weeks ago, we were having a very similar conversation about Tony Finau, and your take on that was, can't close. When's he going to get it done? It's getting harder for him to close. I, I can see you in the Zoom. You're, you're surprised by all of these. Are you, conflating, are you conflating Tony Finau's inability to win with Jordan Spieth's near misses these last two weeks? You can't possibly be going that route. I'm saying we're getting into a territory where, okay. It's a territory. A very, 
it's a feel good story. I, and, and I agree with you on, on that front. I do enjoy watching Jordan Spieth when he's in full flight. Cause you never know what's going to come out of his mouth. You feel sorry for Greller sometimes. And then sometimes you, you wonder if this kid can ever miss hit a shot, all of those things. However, I'm curious how long this is going to go on before you put him in that Tony Finau. And I believe you said something similar to Xander about Xander Shoftway not being able to finish. So how long are we going to let this experiment last before you start going up? Oh, Jordan can't finish. Like probably a year. I mean, you're talking about Tony Ooh. Finau. He's the 15th ranked player in the world. You're talking about Xander Shoffley. He's the fourth ranked player in the world. Why would you ever have those types of expectations now for Jordan Spieth, who before this little turnaround in Phoenix and then Pebble was dangerously close to falling outside the top 100. He even admittedly said that he's cruising around with maybe his B game and that he's significantly far off from where he wants his game to be. The fact that he even had chances to win to me is a testament to his golf IQ, his grittiness, his ability to score, which has been present God, ever since I started covering him back when he was in, in high school. I mean, even before that, when he started working with Cameron McCormick, I mean, this is, this is a guy who, who, who just knows how to get it done. The same cannot be said for Tony Finau. Tony Fino does not have a record of getting it done. The same cannot be said for Xander Shoffley. Xander Shoffley does not have a record of getting it done. He has four PJ Tour titles. Nothing wrong with that. Tony Fino has won once on the PJ Tour. He's won once, and he is the 15th ranked player in the world. I, can you even, are you, I'm not even sure if you're serious trying to conflate these two uh, scenarios right now. Jordan Spieth's played after these past two weeks, and Tony Fino's played over the past decade. I'm not even trying to say that they, they're very, very similar right now. Again, all I'm trying to ask is how long are we going to give this? A year seems like you're giving him a whole lot of leash that I don't think you're very comfortable or very willing to give other players. And when you still want to talk about what Jordan Spieth has done, it is a testament to how hard he's worked for sure, because you consider how far he had fallen and the fact that he had become a non-factor in so many different areas. And now all of a sudden it looks like he could another solid week. He could qualify for next week's WZC mat, uh, WZC at concession and he could also qualify for the match play. Those two things weren't on his radar to start this year. So I think that gives you an idea of how far he's come. And again, the comparison is only to ask that you aren't, you aren't very willing to give Xander or Tony the benefit of the doubt. I'm just curious how long that benefit of the doubt is going to hold up. And your answer to that's a year, which I guess I should have. Okay, maybe, maybe a year was a, a little much. I don't think – I don't put – first of all, I don't put any stock – in him failing to close out these 54 holies. I really don't. I mean, he is nowhere in his mind, nowhere close to where he should be winning on the PGA tour. Like he no stock at all. He no, absolutely not. You think about where he drove it in Phoenix to have a 54 hole lead. There was incredible. You think about the way that he putted at pebble. You think, you think of Jordan Spieth historically, he's one of the best putters we've ever seen. And the fact that he didn't gain any ground on the field, with his putting at Pebble Beach, and yet he still had a chance to win. Up by two shots of 54 holes to go, I, I think is an indication of how vastly improved his iron play is. you got to keep in mind, Jordan Spieth was the best iron player on the PJ Tour in 2017, and he was almost outside the top 200 two years later. I mean, this has been a, a precipitous fall from grace, but that is the key to his, to his success. And so the fact that he's had back-to-back -back great iron performances first in phoenix mostly off the desert floor and then in pebble where he, he drove it a little bit better i think only poor tens well until until jordan tightens up his driving or until we see his putter you know really catch fire for a sustained period of time i i i honestly i do not put any stock 
in his 54 hole uh, inability to, to close the deal. I don't, I don't do it at all. I, I don't want to, I don't want to see that. I, I like watching him play from the desert. It, it's, it's entertaining. And look, we've got a bunch of machines on the PGA tour. And if you want to see a guy in full flight, that looks like a machine, it's Roy McIlroy. Like when he's driving the ball, well, it's fairways, it's greens. He hits the ball a long way. He makes the game look way too easy. Jordan's not like that. I like watching Jordan play from the desert and struggle a little bit. Uh, I'm going to stick with one of those two, 2011 graduates that you love so much, and Daniel Berger. And I read a headline. I don't, I, I don't remember what website I saw it on this morning, but is it time to give Daniel Berger his due? And I kept thinking to myself, has he not gotten his due? I mean, have, have we not recognized Daniel Berger for being a really good golfer? Uh, I think he's probably forgotten among that class of, of 2011. Uh, you, you brought up Xander Shoffley in the, in the first question. Those two have the same number of PJ Tour wins now. Uh, with four and then I think if you ask anybody uh, who's a better player Xander Shoffley or Daniel Berger I think the answer nine times out of ten if not ten times out of ten is going to be Xander right and I think that's largely a a byproduct of the way that Xander's played majors he's had a couple of opportunities to win Uh, Daniel Berger meanwhile has just uh, two top tens and 18 career appearances and so I think when you're looking to 2021 that's the next step that that Berger can take uh, since he's begun working with Cameron McCormick, uh, Spieth's longtime coach, of course, uh, a couple of years ago, he's he's made some pretty significant strides with his short game and putting, and he's really a complete player now. He's is a guy who was sixth last season on the tour uh, in strokes gained total. He's top 35 in every major statistical category. When you look at his record in the majors historically, I think it's it's because he did have some deficiencies that are no longer the case. So I'm really interested to see how he does play. And I think more than kind of just his skill set, I love his attitude. I love his confidence. Um, I love his guts. You think about the shot that he hit on the 72nd hole uh, to close out that victory at Pebble in the closing Eagle. It was, it was incredible. Really Uh, the the guts that that took so much could have gone wrong. He could have snap hooked to that into the Pacific. He could have blocked it out way right and been, and been stymied behind the tree. He could have played conservatively, but he took that on and he was rewarded for his boldness. I think that's kind of what comes out with, with Daniel Berger. And that's kind of the separator uh, between him and some of these other really talented 20 somethings. No, I'm with you. I enjoyed the swagger. And even when he really didn't have much of a reason to have much swagger, he went through some injuries and didn't play very well. And, and there was a time when you wondered, wow, is he going to be the, the guy from that class that really doesn't make it? And he came out of it the other side, stronger, better player. I remember covering his victory straight out of the gates after quarantine at Colonial, thinking to myself that he came out of that better than anyone. Because if you look at how consistent he was over the next few weeks, and I do think he's gotten his due. I have to ask, do you get some sort of commission every time you mention Cameron McCormick as Jordan Spieth's swing coach? I mean, we weren't really sure that Cameron McCormick was going to continue to be Jordan Spieth's swing coach. Uh, the, way just the, happy were, that it- the things, the, the way things were looking – uh, in the fall, I, I do think you have to. I think you have to tip your cap to to where they were. I mean, Jordan, even a couple of weeks ago, uh, keep in mind, Rex, after the miscut at, at Tory, Spee said that he was as far off as he's he probably ever has been, and so they they figured out something during those uh, first four days, uh, kind of around that that Tory miscut and leading into Phoenix, where where something clearly clicked, um, and Jordan's in a, in a much better headspace, and I think a lot of that has to do not only with with Spee, of course. Uh, but Cameron McCormick, who's, who's done great things with Spieth and now doing great things with Daniel Berger. All right, I want to click it ahead here to this week's uh, event, the Genesis Invitational. At Where's Riviera. Tiger? The- Where's Tiger? Have you seen Tiger? 
Uh, I have not. I don't know that we're going to see him at least until the weekend, from what I've been told. So, I mean, Tiger Tiger is not on the pre-tournament news conference. He is the host. He's not going to talk. Yep. Isn't that somewhat surprising to you? Uh, It is surprising to me. Uh, I'm surprised he he doesn't talk. Look, he wasn't going to play. He announced that he's still recovering from the back procedure. Uh, No one had any kind of expectations on that front. But yes, when you're the quasi, I mean, I don't know if he's officially the tournament host, but he certainly has played that role in the past. This tournament benefits his own foundation. Uh, This is where he played in his first PGA Tour event. We can keep going on and on down the list. You would have expected him to step up and do a Zoom call, which requires nothing more than just to turn your laptop on and sit at your desk in your office. And for him not to do that, it, it, I have to admit, it is a surprise. Do you think that portends poorly about this this current state of Tiger? I think this portends only to the idea that he doesn't like talking with the media, if I'm being quite frank. This has nothing to do with whether he can sit in a chair and talk to the media. He can lay on a couch and talk to the media. I mean, again, it's a Zoom call. We can all do it. I mean, I've seen you do it from a flower room in your house numerous times. So we know these can be done really easily. I just don't think it, this has anything to do with – whether or not he may or may not be injured, this has everything to do with the fact that he just doesn't like to talk to us, man. I hate to break it to you. I think I, I do. I do find it very interesting, though. I mean, this is an opportunity. I, I I would be shocked if he's not there on Sunday to help hand out the trophy for a tournament that that benefits his foundation. But it does lead to an interesting question. Obviously, in a normal year, if he doesn't have a fifth back surgery, you would have thought that he would tee it up at Riviera. Uh, he is eligible at number forty-eight in the world to play next week at concession that seems incredibly unlikely considering the uh zero updates that we've received uh since since we heard that he was hitting balls uh, via nota uh he's played bay hill once since 2013 you'd think if he's healthy he would play the players championship the honda's uh not his favorite golf course at pj national but it is right down the street match play offers three guaranteed rounds where do you where are you getting a a I'm not even sure it's an inclination. Where's your gut telling you that you're going to see him? It's funny. You're leaning into all these places. Like, he, yeah, I mean, Honda's a home game. He's going to play there, match play three rounds. I don't think any of that matters. I think in his mind, and, and I don't think this is a stretch, that he's going to play wherever he feels comfortable, to the point that he feels comfortable going to the Masters, going there, trying to contend, trying to be sharp enough. And, and we know it's always going to be this balancing act between getting rest, making sure his back is healthy, and then trying to get enough quote-unquote reps right? We don't know where that magic number is. I don't think that magic number is more than two or three events. So you oh, can I can't start, imagine you can he plays more than two events before the Masters. I can't, exactly. I, I'm not, I'm not even sure he's going to play one. Top. I'm not even sure he's going to play one. You would think that he would want to preserve the, the whatever is left of his, his brittle body. I'd like to see him at the players. Uh, I think that provide even more juice, the tours flagship event. I'd like to see him at the match play. I think that's a, a, perfect avenue for him to kind of see where his game is at reassess for a week and then get up to Augusta. I'm just not sure we're necessarily going to see it. I think those two are are probably the obvious ones. I wouldn't imagine he's going to play the Honda classic. It's a very hard golf course. You end up with win that time of year, even though it's a quote unquote home game for him. I just don't think he has much interest. I think there's too much unknown about concession. As you pointed out, we we haven't heard a peep from him since he announced the back procedure and he wasn't going to play these scheduled starts. So I think what you're going to end up with is probably two starts. You're right. Although he could add a third in there somewhere if he feels comfortable. And if he feels, you think like he's he going to play three times? You think he's first of all? You think he's going to play twice? No. no, I do think he's going to play twice. I think that's probably I would think the bare minimum of where he would like to be heading to Augusta. And he has shown up at Augusta and played well, having not played in the last two or three months. And we have seen it before. So I'm not saying it's not possible. It's putting himself in the right mindset, both physically and mentally 
to show up at Augusta thinking, yeah, I should be able to contend. How would he even know that if he doesn't put a peg in the ground until he gets to Magnolia Lane? That's just not realistic in my mind. I mean, he's, he's done it a couple of times. He's, he's shown up there after extended ab- absences, but, uh, but I'm with you. I mean, this, in 2021 with Dustin Johnson in full flight and all these other great players who are, who are going to be playing five, six, seven times uh, before we get to Augusta in early April, I'm not sure I would necessarily want to show up there kind of wondering exactly the type of form that I'm going to show when I'm playing yeah. my first tournament in what would have been five months. That, I don't think that's, 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 that's just not a recipe for success. I wouldn't think so. And especially when you look at this week's field, I mean, like I said, it's eight of the top 10 in the world. I mean, you have plenty of players here that would fall into that category, including Justin Johnson, Adam Scott, who's the defending champ, Roy McIlroy. I mean, this field is probably the best field of the year that we're going to end up with until we get to the players championship. And what really took me this morning is where I was kind of going down the list of previous winners, even though we like to think of Riviera as a bomber's golf, golf course, I don't think that's a completely accurate statement. I think if you look at the list of winners, Mike Weir, has won here before. He's certainly not a bomber. Now it's been a minute, but I just love James the idea. Hahn, that, John yeah. Merrick. I mean, you've had, I wouldn't say weird winners, but you've had some, some guys a little bit off the radar. Bill Haas wasn't a bomber back in the day. Yeah. But uh, do you think, would you call Dustin Johnson the favorite? The favorite? Yeah. Oh yes. By, by a very, very wide margin. I mean, Vegas, Vegas doesn't lie. He's a, he's a five to one favorite this week, Rex. Where would you put Roy? Uh, this week, I'd probably put him somewhere in that two to five range. Um, this, this to me, just my personal hunch, it kind of feels like a Justin Thomas week. Uh, I think back a couple years ago, he kicked away that four-shot lead when he had the Marathon Sunday there. Uh, he was really disappointed. This is one of his favorite golf courses on the PGA Tour. Uh, he was in, he's been in position a couple of times to win so far this year in position a couple of weeks ago in Phoenix. Unfortunately, uh, his grandfather, who was very close to passed away on Saturday night. And you know, his focus was understandably elsewhere uh, in that final round, had an opportunity to grieve last week. So I think he'll come out focused, hungry um, and ready to play. So I would put Justin Thomas as kind of the second. And then in that other range, you got to throw Xander, obviously John Rom, Rory, somewhere, somewhere in that vicinity. Well, the reason I bring Rory up is we've gone back and looked at what happened early last year when he got off to that hot start, but he wasn't winning events. And this is the only one that he's ever pointed out and said, this is the one that bugged me because he started the final round tied for the lead and then struggles on Sunday. And I think he ended up finishing tied for fourth. I, I think this, th- that being the case, I, I would think that everything he has gone through up to this point would be a tipping point. Now, this is a little inside baseball, but it, it just broke this morning that he was elected to the chairman at the player advisory council i knew only... i knew you were going to bring this up uh and it's inside baseball i know it's probably not the most exciting stuff this is like what you do your math and your reading which doesn't seem to make a very good podcast but it is compelling to me in this particular compelling. instance because compelling yes is it not compelling to you <sighs> i got i got to admit i think i think my stats are a little bit more compelling but but please tell tell us yeah. tell us tell us why this vote is so compelling to you uh it's compelling to me because he's the first player he's the first person not from america voted on to the policy board and that's interesting only because there haven't been a lot that have even ran for the policy board but the bigger deal is as we get closer to whatever the synergy is between the european tour you mean florida's roy you mean florida's roy mcelroy uh northern ireland's roy mcelroy apparently you're looking to start an unwanted fight on twitter by a comment like that i'm gonna go ahead and stick with northern ireland and let you deal with everyone else on the (laughs) everyone at 
Ryan Lavner at Ryan Lavner. This is Jupiter's own Rory McIlroy now to, on the on, now on the tee. That's a funny South Florida accent in my mind. But as we get closer to whatever this merger is going to be between the European Tour and the PGA Tour, he felt it was important to have an international voice in that room. I don't know that they could have picked a better international voice for, to be in that room, considering everything that's on the line going forward with, with the PGA Tour and the European Tour. No, I totally agree. I think he's a, I think he's a terrific choice. I w- when you think of players who are splitting their time, you know, Roy doesn't play on the European Tour as much as, say, he did five or ten years ago. Uh, but he's still playing more than than a, a Justin Rose or a Henrik Stenson or some of those uh, guys in the old guard. I think I think that he's the actual the perfect choice in 2021 when you do want to start to to kind of build the relationship there, develops as you said some a little bit more synergy. I could see John Rahm uh, taking over this mantle in a couple years, and it's just players of of that elk uh, can can understand. Uh, what goes into being an international player, which events are important, which events they want to make time for. I think, I think Roy is the perfect choice and he's, he's proven to be a, a pretty level head um, and, a, and a pretty old soul when it comes to these types of discussions as well. And he's replacing Jordan Spieth. So if you want, you want to bring it full circle to why I find it compelling for a lot of different reasons, because Jordan Spieth was actually the only player before Rory to have been number one in the world at any point in their careers and served on the policy board. I say this all, only to point out that players of a certain generation, and I'm talking to you, Tiger Woods, and I'm talking to you, Phil Mickelson, had no interest in this type of thing. They were never on the policy board. They were never on the pack. They didn't want to be involved in these little minutiae conversations about what all 144 players in a field think and feel. They didn't care. They wanted to go out and do their thing. It is interesting to me that this is changing. You've had Jordan Spieth server on the policy board. Rory McIlroy is going to. Justin Thomas ran for and was not elected to the policy board. So all of these things or is very compelling to me. You want to, you want to know why Jordan Spieth is so widely respected and, and regarded. He had to have been 23 or 24 when he was the PAC chairman, uh, when he was announcing back in 2018, he couldn't have been, I think he's 27 now. He couldn't have been more than 23 or 24. Uh, so to have someone who's kind of head of the players for, for lack of a better phrase, uh, you could do a whole lot worse than one Jordan Spieth. Nope, I agree. So clearly you found it a little bit more compelling than you led on to. Very good. Yeah, I mean, I still like my stats. I think they provide better context. Uh, and I am glad we waited till the end of the podcast for you to, to get this little note in. Because we all know, Rex, that in your, in your wildest dreams, if you could have one thing, it would be membership to the PGA Tour Policy Board. I mean, that would, that would really sit in the be room? what you wanted. No, you want you want to be you want to be actively involved. If they had a if they had a spot for a media member, I'm not sure why no. I'm not sure why they would. But if a no, player advisory no. council somehow needed a media member, you would be front of the line. You love the pack, love it. No, 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 I would not. And now, if you're gonna let me sit in the room and listen to the conversations, I'm all for that. What do you? How, when's when's their next meeting? Do you think that you can lobby to 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 at least just be a fly on the wall? I think I've thrown that out there before and it gets shot down every single time, which is why I, then I have to go sneak it around and asking guys uh, behind people's backs. It's probably, you know, it's what probably done on zoom now. Just, can't you just, can't you just hack, hack a login? Zoom? I think you gave me an, an idea. I, I, I think you gave me a very good idea. Uh, what are you grilling this week? I'll let you get out of here on this. What's on the uh, gateway grill, everybody. Ding. Uh, well, I'm, I'm so, I'm solo dadding for the next couple of days. So I'm not, I'm not sure my two-year-old is going to let me uh, sneak off to do a, to a multi-hour grilling. Uh, I am going to fire up the gateway tomorrow for a little bit, a little bit of pork tenderloin. Uh, we're looking to do, 
probably uh, a pizza on the egg later this week while I, while I kick back with a couple beers and watch the coverage. Uh, and then Rex, I'm, I'm back on the, I'm back on the road next week. My first, my first tournament since the masters in person, uh, I'll be at the WGC at concession. So I'll be doing, uh, the podcast on site. I will, I will feel right in the world once again. I, 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 ha- I will say I miss you this week because usually all we do is we find bad places to eat and we get caught in traffic. So I know I'm having to do that my, myself out in Los Angeles, bad places to eat. I, I can't find a good place to eat. It's it's not a fan. That's not, not a that fan sounds like a you problem. Maybe. I mean, we're in the middle of a quarantine out here. There aren't too many options this week, so this is probably not the best week for me to try. The pandemic's almost over. You, you and you're aren't you almost not vaccine? in Los Angeles? Aren't you almost vaccine eligible? I am not. That, that's a little out of my age group, but I appreciate you bringing it up. That'll do it for this week's Golf Central podcast, presented by Callaway Golf. We'll talk to you next week. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. It's hard not to add a side of hot, crispy hash browns to your favorite McDonald's breakfast. It's even harder not to eat said hash browns before you get home. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.